Glory to God. Thank you, worship team. That was, that was good. We'll have a story to start off here with you this morning. I don't know exactly where this story came from or what school it was in, but there was a teacher whose name was Mr. Christensen, and he had an example he wanted to do in class, and so he, he had a young man in the, in the classroom, and he looked pretty built up, looked like he did a lot of weights and things like that. So he, he pulled him over. He says, uh, uh, you look pretty strong. He said, how strong are you? And as they got to talk, he said, well, how many push-ups can you do? And he said, well, I do about 200 a night. Every night I usually end the day with about 200 push-ups. And he says, well, uh, can you do 300? He says, well, I never tried doing 300. I can you know, give it a, a try. He says, no, no, I need you to tell me that you can do 300. Can you do 300? He says, well, you know, I'll give it my, my, my best shot. I, uh, no, he says, I, I need you to tell me that you can do 300. I need you to do 300 in sets of 10. Can you do that for me? He says, all right, I'll do it. I can do it. And so they were in class the next day. And the teacher comes in. It was the last class of the day, eighth period, on a Friday. And all the kids were in there. They're all excited. You know, this is the last class. We go off for the weekend. Good things happen. And so as the, the teacher had a big box of donuts, not just the little dinky things. I mean, these things were filled with stuff and had you know, coatings on top. I mean, they were, they were donuts. And he had a, a big box of them. And he came on in. And he came up to the first student. And he said, Cheryl would you like to have a donut? And she said, well, yes, I would. And so he, he turned over to Steve and he says, Steve, I need you to do 10 push-ups so that Cheryl can have a donut. And so Steve got down off his chair. He did 10 push-ups and uh, got back in his chair and he took the donut and he put it on Cheryl's desk. There's your donut. He went over to the, to the next one. Joe, Joe, would you like a donut? He said, yes, please said, Steve, will you do 10 push-ups so that Joe can have a donut? Steve got down off his chair, did 10 push-ups, sat back down, gave him a donut. Did that for the whole first row. Came up to the front of the second row, and the front, at the front of the second row was a young man by the name of Scott, captain of the football team, pretty well built, strong guy. He said, uh, would you like to have a donut? He says, yes, I would, but I don't need Steve to do my push-ups for me. I can do my own. And he said, I'm sorry, that's not how it works. If you want a donut, Steve has to do your push-ups. Well, then I don't want a donut. So he turned over to Steve and said, Steve, will you do 10 push-ups so that he can not have a donut? And so Steve got down off his chair, did 10 push-ups so that the captain of the football team would not be able to, would, would not be able to have a donut. So he went down to the, to the next one and there was a young lady there and said, would you like to have a donut? And, he, and she said, no. And so he said, Steve, will you get down off your chair? Ten push-ups so that she can have a donut that she doesn't want. And so Steve got down off the chair and did the push-ups, put the donut on the desk. And now, as he kept on going through the class, more people were saying no. They did not want a donut. And so Steve was doing push-ups for people who didn't want to have a donut. And the donuts just sat on the desk. And they didn't eat them. But by this point, Steve was getting kind of tired. And it was getting hard to do the push-ups, and so he wasn't getting back up into the seat anymore. He was just staying down there on the, on the floor. And uh, they kept doing the, the push-ups, and um, all of a sudden, a young man came walking into the classroom. His name was Joel. And all the, all the kids said, no, stay out. But it was too late. Joel already had come in. And so uh, 
He says, Steve, do you mind if, if Joel joins us? And Steve said, no, he can certainly come in. He says, well, let's just get Joel out of the way now. And so they, Joel, would you like a donut? He has no idea what's going on. He says, sure, I'll, I'll have a donut. Steve, will you do 10 push-ups so that Joel can have a donut? He does 10 push-ups and so Joel can have a donut. And Joel goes and sits down with his donut. Continue to go on through the class and Steve gets more tired. He, uh, he, he asked one of the students in the class, said, Richard, will you watch Steve to make sure he does 10 push-ups so that I don't always have to keep my eyes on him? And so as he was doing that, Steve asked a question. He says, well, do my, does my nose have to touch the floor each time? And uh, the teacher said, well, they're your push-ups. No, I guess they don't. You, whatever you want to do. And so Steve continued to do his push-ups. Arms were getting really tired. A uh, uh, sweat was dripping off his face. It was piling up on the, on the floor. A puddle was there. But he kept on going through. And as he got through the third row, the, the, the kids in the classroom were getting upset. Some of them began to tear up because Steve was doing all these push-ups so that each one of them could have a donut. But more and more of the donuts were sitting on the desk. Came on down to the, to the last one, and or the last two, and the last, last girl, Joyce, came to, to her and says, Joyce, would you like to have a donut? And she said with a very sad tone in her voice, no, I really don't want one. And so he turned to Steve. Steve, will you do 10 push-ups? so that Joyce can have a donut that she doesn't want. And he did the 10 push-ups. Finally came to the last girl, last girl, head of the cheerleader squad, sweet gal, and said to her, would you like to have a donut? And she said, I really don't want one, but can I help him do the push-ups? And the teacher said, no. Steve has to do the push-ups on his own. So Steve got down, did 10 more push-ups. That one broke him. He finally got through all the class. By the time they had gotten finished, and with the extra kids that had piled into the class, 35 kids were in the class. He did 350 push-ups. His body was tired. His arms were exhausted. And after the last one, he just collapsed on the floor. And the teacher said, I want to read it, read to you what he said in the in the classroom. Again, I don't know what, what class this was in, what school this was in, because I don't think you would get away with this in all the schools. But in this one, they, they were able to. So he said, this is how it was with our Savior, Jesus Christ. He said to the Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit, with the understanding that he had done everything that was required of him. He collapsed on the cross and died, even for those who didn't want his gift. And just like some of those in the room, many choose not to accept the gift that was provided for them. At the cross, Jesus did a lot of things for us. Whether we take advantage of them or not does not change the fact of what he did. Just as in the story, whether the children wanted the donut, whether they ate the donut, it made no difference. Steve still did the same number of push-ups for each one. Well, God has done some things to provide for us, to provide for us salvation, to provide for us healing, to provide for us deliverance. As the song was singing, he's pushed back the enemy. He has done these things. These are provided for us. But what are we doing with it? Is it just like the donuts that sat on the table? No one enjoyed them, even though all the work was done. We looked last week about being tempted to believe 
that very often Christians have become tempted to believe things that are not in the Word, that were not accomplished at the cross, and are not taking advantage of what God wanted you to have. We saw they were tempted to believe by getting false doctrine. And we looked at how false doctrine came in. We looked at false teachers. We looked at how to identify them. How false teachers fell prey to these things. We looked at false beliefs. How false beliefs can come in. And how that sets us into a wrong direction. Well, we said we wanted to go on the positive side. So we're going to take a look at a story. We haven't looked at this story as often. This is probably, if you were going to ask people their favorite healing story, this is probably not one of them. But when you really see the details of it, it ought to be. This is a neat story. It is a great story. It's a story we can learn a lot from. Earlier this year, we looked at it just briefly. <clears throat> but the last time we really delved into the story was about five years ago. So we're going to look at this again. John chapter 4, verse 46. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee... He went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. Now when Jesus had come, first off, Jesus has, has, has Jesus not come for us? They were waiting for Jesus to come physically to the area, but Jesus is now in us, and we get to go all over the place. But when Jesus had come again to Canaan of Galilee, where he had made the water wine, when he had come again, he had been here before, but he came again. So he had been here before, he had taught some things. This man probably heard some of the teachings that Jesus did in this area at a prior time. Those things began to set into him. And when he needed them, they began to rise up. When his, when his sickness came into the family, it rose up and, oh, I remember what Jesus said. And then Jesus came back into the area. Now, this is something we've given you before. I want to give it to you again. The foundation of our faith. First off, the foundation of our faith comes from sight. What I see is coming. Now, that's not always bad. It's not always good. But what I see is coming. The second one is might, what I know I have. How many of y'all know how much money you have in the bank? How many of y'all know how much money you have coming in? We, we, there are certain things that we know about. We, we know what to expect. <clears throat> but we have sight and might. What I see is coming and what I know I have. How many of y'all know that we have a mansion up in heaven? Amen. That we have a Savior coming for us? Well, we know these things are, are coming. And... But I, I see, we see them coming because we see them through the eyes of faith. Other people don't see them coming, but we see them very clearly. So just because it's not here doesn't mean you can't see it. And just because you can see something that's not here does not mean you're born again and a faith-believing child of God. Because there are many people who are in the world who see things that are coming. They aren't here. How many people believe in global disaster? How many people believe Bad things are about to happen. How many people believe they're going to get the cold this year? But they don't have it now. People who are not in church, people who are not believers, certainly believe things that are coming without seeing them. They can see into what's not coming. So just because we, just faith people are not the only ones that do this. Just understand that. 
There is the might. There is what we know we have. Now, this is the negative side, too. You can rely on what you have all the time. As long as I have the money in the bank, I'll have faith to believe that I can do that. But that's not how we're supposed to walk. That's not how we're supposed to operate. We're supposed to go beyond what it is that we have, beyond what it is. We have to be able to see God's ability in us. But these two things, sight and might, are in the world as much as they are in the church. But there is one thing that is unique for those that are in the church, for those who believe God, and that's this one, the Word. What God says is mine. The world does not believe this. They may see things that are coming that are not here. They may have eyes to see that. They may believe in what they have. And we believe in what we have, but we believe what we have from the Word. The Word has told us that we have right now certain things. So sight, might, and the Word. That's the foundation of our faith. Okay, we gave you that before. We also gave you this before, but I wanted to review it again. What you believe is made up of what you Four things. First off, what you, and I want you to write these down. Because if you write them down, beside hear them, it helps you remember them a little bit better. So here, when you believe, what you believe is made up of what you hear, what you read. Anybody remember these things? What you see. And the fourth one, what you can imagine. Four things of what you believe. What you hear what you read, what you see, what you can imagine. We can hear people preach the word. We can hear people tell us a bad uh, doctor report. Right? Both of those things can produce a faith in you for something. We can read the newspaper and find out how bad the economy is. We can read the Bible and see what God says about it. Faith can come from reading comes from what, I, what we see. How many of y'all have faith that your, your car is, is, uh, is outside? Oh, yeah, faith because, you know, we, we left it there. We, we drove it here. We saw it there. We have faith in things that we, we see. If you come up to a chair, you sit down in a chair, you have faith that the chair that you see is going to hold you up. Most times we're not disappointed. That's a good thing. But what we hear, what we read, what we see, there are things that you can... You can see that people saw Jesus do miracles. That built faith in them. We can see things happen. And what you can imagine, the Word of God talks about us in our imagination. Because I'll tell you what, we're going to have a big problem with imagination because it's easier for us to believe bad things than it is good things. What you hear, what you read, what you see, and what you can imagine. These combine with your foundation to form the basis of your future actions. Everything that you're going to do is going to be based on this. Because you don't do things you don't believe. Jesus had little respect for faith based on sight. Isn't that right? Isn't that what Jesus talked about? You believe because you see? That's okay. But blessed are they who believe and haven't seen. This man, this nobleman, was moved by what he heard first off. He heard Jesus' teaching. He heard about the things that Jesus did. He heard that Jesus was in the area. He heard some things about this. So his faith was, he was moved by this particular thing. He was moved by what he saw. He saw some of the miracles before. He saw some of the things that happened when Jesus came through before. He, he saw some of the miracles. He saw some things. But he is also moved by what he felt. He felt desperation. Because someone in his family was sick and dying. 
They all can, you can, can identify with that kind of desperation, can't you? You want everything you can do to, to help that. But, but it's beyond your ability. You have to go to someone else who has greater ability. We go to God. We go to Jesus. He went to Jesus. Now, if we've broken this down for you before, the man traveled about 25 miles. That's equivalent of a marathon. 25 miles. Now, most people don't cover that in a day. It takes him a little bit, or at least it takes most of the day. So if he left on a Tuesday, he'd probably get there on a Wednesday for most folk, folks around, around that area. That's what, he, what he'd be doing. So he gets there, and how long is it going to take him to get back? Now think about this. After you just covered 25 miles, and then you're going to turn around and cover another 25 miles. That's 50 miles. You don't have a bike. You don't have a car. That's a lot, that's a lot of distance to cover, just walking. We don't know that this guy did it on a regular basis. All we know was that he was desperate and that he had to, had to go. So that's the setting. That's what we want you to understand. This is the setting of it. Jesus is in the area, but he's 25 miles away. He hears that he's there. He covers the distance. He gets over there and he has an expectation. Now he's heard about Jesus. He believes that Jesus can change the situation. He believes that Jesus can, can take care of this. Verse uh, 48 again. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. Now this is huge. And it, it looks so casual in here. But the man traveled 25 miles, and he asked that Jesus would come along with him. He asked the teacher, Will you make a 25-mile trip with me on foot just to heal my child? 25 miles. Now, we said this to you before, but what makes our faith unique is faith in the Word of God. When Jesus spoke this to him, here's what he says. Go your way, your son lives. Count this up. Go your way, your son lives. Six words. And Jesus wants him to change his entire behavior, all his expectation, based on six words. Go your way. Your son lives. Now, what would you think if you came up to someone in church, I need prayer for something, and they prayed over you, and they spent all of six words? Well, I'm not going to ask them to pray again. They didn't pray very long for me at all. I'll go over here to somebody else, get somebody else. We, we like it when somebody spends five, ten minutes praying over us. But Jesus doesn't spend five, ten minutes praying over people. In fact, most of the time, he just tells them things. Six words. One day, this man invested to get on out here to Jesus. One more day, they get back. And Jesus invests in him six words. And the words that came before this were not real great words. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. How many get the idea Jesus is happy about this whole situation? I don't get that idea. Sir, come down before my child dies. He's desperate. Desperate. Please come down. Make the 25-mile trip with me. Make the day journey with me before my child dies. Go your way. Your son lives. Now, here's the key. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. 
Jesus didn't speak this to everyone. He spoke it to him. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. What would have happened if this man chose not to? What if he continued to plead? What if he continued to say, no, but you come down with me. My, I know my child will be healed. What would have happened? We all know what would happen. That would have been it. We, we were, probably would not have this story in the Bible. It would probably be gone away. Because the son probably would have died. But he didn't disbelieve the word that was spoken to him. When Jesus spoke that word, we don't have that he gave any kind of argument. We don't have that he gave any kind of delay. That he tried any more to, to get Jesus to come with him. He just turned around and made the trip home. Now, he does not have a cell phone. He can't call and check in on things. They're not sending smoke signals. There's no Western Union. There's no way for him to contact them. He just has to believe. Now, you could, he, you could ask all kinds of things. He could be saying, well, how does Jesus know that? He can't get in touch with them any more than I can. And beside that, he doesn't even know who they are until I came here. He didn't even know anything was going on. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went on his way. How many of you can come up with a whole lot of reasons why this man does not have to believe Jesus? Does he feel any less despair? Does he feel any less anxiety about it? Is there anyone else around encouraging him to believe the words of Jesus? Has any sign gone off in heaven? Has Jesus glowed? Is there anything that would tell him that he should believe? No. But how many times do Christians, well, God, just give me a sign. I'll believe, but just, just give me a sign. Lord, I, I want to believe that you want to do this for me, but just give me some kind of a sign that tells me. Father, I want to believe your word, but just give me a sign. What's Jesus say about that? I think we just had it right there, didn't he? Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. And Jesus is not happy about that. We need to believe without signs and wonders. We need to believe that just because Jesus said it, that it's so. I say, well, that's easy. Because Jesus spoke it to him directly. That was his personal word. And why is the Bible written? Is not the Bible written to tell you the will of the Father? Is that not the purpose of the Bible? If the Bible does not then disclose to you the purpose of God and His will, what good is it to you? If we do not look at the Word of God as God sharing with us His will for our situation as a word spoken directly to us, what good is the Word of God? We've got to approach it this way. If Jesus spoke this to the man here, why wouldn't He speak that to you? If what happened with the woman with the issue of blood worked for her, why wouldn't it work for you? Why would it not? Mark chapter 9, Jesus comes down from the mountain, finds his disciples in a mess because the man brought son to him to be healed of epilepsy. And it said that the, the, the demon couldn't be cast out by the disciples. They, they tried to cast out and didn't do it. What does Jesus say? O faithless generation, how long will I be with you? Bring him here to me. 
And Jesus cast them out. And his attitude towards his disciples was what? Man, I'm sorry, guys. This was just a little over your head. No, it's what? <clears throat> y'all need to get with it because y'all need to be doing this stuff. You need to get going. We need to be doing the things that are in the Word. We need to be believing the things that are in the Word. Now, I'll put this in your outline for you. When this man had acted on, the, on, on that brought him to Jesus was not as telling as what got him to leave Jesus. What this man had acted on that brought him to Jesus was not as telling as what got him to leave Jesus. Because what brought him to Jesus was faith in what he heard about Jesus. What got him to leave is faith in what Jesus said to him. Gave him a specific thing to act on. Now, he did this a number of times. The man who's at the pool of, of Bethesda. Remember? Take up your bed and walk. What did the man do? Argue with Jesus? No. He took the word that was said and, and he did it. Now, think about this. How many times have you been studying the word of God and all of a sudden you read a verse, you read a passage, and it was like it was brand new. You know you've read this before, but it was like it was brand new and it just spoke something to you. What did you do with that? You see, if it spoke something to you and you acted on it, it would be the same thing as what Jesus said to the man who was lame. It would be the same thing as the man with the, noble, the, the nobleman with his son. It would be the same thing. All of a sudden, it came to light and you saw it. And what did you do? Did you act on it? Did you act on it right then? I put this in your outline. Right expectations are formed from right doctrine. Right expectations are formed from right doctrine. If you have the wrong teaching on the inside of you, you will have the wrong expectation. There's no question about it. If you have been taught wrong about the Word, if you believe wrong about the Word, you will have wrong expectations. If you have wrong expectations... How will your faith work on it? This man came to Jesus expecting what? That Jesus would come back with him, lay his hands on his son, and heal him. That's his expectation. He had that expectation from things that he had heard going on, from things that he had seen going on. He had built that expectation up. But Jesus was not ready to do that. He just said, go your way, your son lives. He changed his expectation. Didn't he? He didn't make the, the, the trip to get words from Jesus. He made the trip to get Jesus and to bring him back. Go your way, your son lives. <clears throat> if a bad doctrine is, is revealed, talking about you, if a bad doctrine is revealed, if God comes along and he shows you there's a bad doctrine in you, bad belief, if a bad doctrine is revealed, how long does it take you to drop it? If God shows you that something that you have believed is true, that it is wrong, how long does it take you to drop it? That's kind of a fun question to ponder, isn't it? Sometimes we can drop it in a second. Sometimes it may take a little longer because that has been instilled in us. The longer it takes for you to drop it, the longer it will take for it to work. Because wrong expectations are built off wrong doctrine. 
All right, look at it this way. How many of you have ever talked to people that are sick, that are Christians, go to church every Sunday, maybe even every Wednesday, read their Bible consistently, pray on a regular basis, and yet they're sick with something, something has been bothering them for a while, and uh, you come up to them and say, well, it seems that it's God wants me to have this. Is that a right doctrine? No. Is that doctrine formed from the Word of God? There's no place in the Word of God that would support it. Where'd they get it from? Well, a wrong teaching came in. Or sometimes we just try and interpret the Bible through life. You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to interpret life through the Word. But we, we flip it up. We, we, we mess it up. But they have that expectation. Now, if you go and pray over them, they still have that expectation. Well, if it's God's will, I know I'll be healed. Remember the uh, man who came up to Jesus and said, if you're willing, you can make me whole? What does Jesus say? Get your unbelieving self out of here. No, he says, I am willing, be whole. That's it. The man, the man knew about the ability of God. He wasn't quite sure about the willingness of God. Most Christians believe that Jesus is able to heal. They're just not sure that he's willing to heal them. That's a wrong expectation. Most Christians are, will believe that God can make people prosperous. I'm just not sure he wants to make me prosperous. Most people believe that God will deliver me from the hands of the enemy, will deliver Christians from the hands of the enemy, or that he can. But most Christians are not always willing to believe he will do it for me or that he will do it for me now. Because they have swallowed as Well, I'm just going through this time and God's teaching me some things. Oh, really? Where did that belief come from? See, many times we have beliefs that come from life, not from the Word. They come from other believers, other Christians. They don't come from the Word. And if God, through His Word, reveals that we have a wrong belief, we should drop it in an instant. In an instant. The longer it takes for us to let go of it, the longer it takes for God to work with us, to, to help us. So right expectations are formed from right doctrine. If the bad doctrine is revealed, how long does it take you to drop it? This could be the difference between life and death, healing or sickness, or anything else that's in the Word of God. That could be the difference. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Now faith is the substance of what? Things hoped for. If what you are hoping for, and when the Word talks about hope, it's not talking about, well, I sure wish that would happen. It's talking about expectation. We have a hope of heaven. Do we wish heaven would be there? No. We know we are going to heaven. We know it. It's something that is hoped for, something that we know is coming in the future. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the substance of things that we expect. If I expect wrong, what does that do to my faith? See, faith is, is what's calling for the, for the change. People use this as an example. I can't think of anything better at the moment. But if you have a thermostat in your house, <clears throat> if it's hot outside, we've been through some hot days, if it's 90 degrees outside, and you don't like 90 degrees, you want 75 degrees. You don't set the thermostat for 82. If you set the thermostat for 82 and complain, well, how come this house isn't cooling off? Why isn't it not cooling off? 
because the expectation is set wrong. If you put it down to 55, the expectation is set wrong. You've got to set the expectation on what you want. See, too many times Christians are afraid to set the expectation for what they want because they, they think that what they want is being selfish. They think that what they want is being greedy. But if the Word of God says that He wants you to have it, then shouldn't you have it? The story we start off with. The kids who said, I wanted a donut, but then when they found out that somebody else had to do the push-ups for the donut, now I don't want it anymore. <laughs> no matter what, whether you walk in healing, whether you don't, whether you walk into things that the cross brought for you or not, He still went through the cross. And it doesn't change anything. But if you went through all that so that people could enjoy certain things, wouldn't you like to see them enjoy it? So we're not helping God any by carrying these things ourselves. There's one more for you. If hope expectation is wrong, our belief will be wrong. It's wrong. Because my hope and expectation is wrong. My belief has to be. That's the thing that's setting the, the, that's the, thing that's setting the target. If the target is wrong, the belief is going to be wrong. If I say, well, I, I know Jesus can he heal me. If it's His will, I'll, I'll be healed. How can I have the right belief on that? The expectation is wrong. I can't believe for these things. I have to know it's the, it's the will of God. F.F. Bosworth said that. I believe it started with him. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Now, it begins there. It doesn't end there. It begins Faith begins where the will of God is known. You first off must know what the will of God is. Now your faith can begin. Now you've got a journey on that. Just because you know what the word of God says is yours doesn't mean that your journey is over. This is just what you know. All right, I know this is where we can, this is where I'm supposed to be. Faith begins, I love how you, you know, just concise. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Put this in your outline for you. If you are casual about doctrine, your expectations will not rise above the level of mediocrity. If you are casual about doctrine, your expectations will not rise above the level of mediocrity. You've got to get into... You gotta, and I, we say doctrine, that scares some people. But what's doctrine? It's the teaching of the Word of God. That's all it is. Get into the teaching. Know what the Word of God teaches. And when it does, you can set your expectations higher. You see, life has a way of pulling your expectations down. Disappointment, things like that, they can pull our expectations down. The Word will build it up. Let's go back over here. Verse 50. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday, about uh, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he be himself believed and his whole household. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. Well, what else happened besides Jesus saying that? The man believed it. So in that same time, Jesus said it. The man believed it and came back. Now think of yourself making this journey. If Jesus just told you, go your way, your son lives, and you turn around and head back, the whole way back, what are you thinking about? I'll give you a couple of ideas. You may be able to come up with some more. You're thinking about your dying son. 
Did I do right by my dying son by leaving? Should I, should I have stayed and tried to fight and get Jesus to come? Don't you think those thoughts would be coming in from the enemy? He'd be trying to sow these thoughts, change your expectation. Because right now, Jesus said him with an expectation that his son lives. Going home. As long as he focuses on the words of Jesus, your son lives, going home. It'd be, it'd be an easy trip to get on home. But the enemy wants to come along. He's going to throw his fiery darts. He's going to get you to try and think about something. What happens when you get home and your son's dead and your wife is there alive? And she says, why'd you come back without Jesus? What do you think that would be like? That, won't, that probably won't go very well, will it? What about the friends and family, the rest of the family? How would they be receptive to this? What? You went out there? You saw them? You, you didn't bring them back with you? What kind of man are you? How did you do that? He could be thinking about these things. But I have to say, apparently he's not. He's thinking about what Jesus said. What does Jesus say again? Go your way, your son lives. So every time the fiery dark comes in, what should he be thinking about? What Jesus said. What did Jesus say again? Go your way, your son lives. Jesus said, my son lives. Jesus said, my son lives. Jesus said, my son lives. So if you have faith in Jesus, then you have faith in his word. And you keep fighting those things off. Now let's turn it around to our situation. Tempted to believe like we looked at last time. You ask God for healing. You ask God for something in the financial area. You ask God for something in the mental area. Uh, whatever it might be. Whatever realm it is that you're thinking about. Whatever realm it is that you've asked something. You've got the Word of God on it. The Word of God said this. This is what it says. You're hanging on to that. And you felt healed. You f- felt that mental release. You saw something. You got a new job. You got a rate. Whatever it might be. And then the enemy comes along and what's he do? He's going to sow a thought. Has God really said? Don't you think that he was getting those kind of thoughts on the way home? Did Jesus really say that he was healed? I didn't hear Jesus say he was healed. Did you hear Jesus say he was healed? Jesus didn't say he was healed. He just said he lives. That just probably means he was still alive. By the time you get home, he's going to be dead. And then how the enemy messes with you? He takes the words of Jesus and he twists them around. So the pretty soon you're thinking, well, I wonder if he meant that. Oh, maybe, maybe that's what Jesus meant. So by the time I get home, he won't be alive anymore. See, that's what the enemy does. And you're tempted to believe something different from what the Word of God says. But this guy doesn't do it. And as far as we can tell from the story, he's got no battle. Which just amazes me. Or at least he doesn't talk about it. All we hear about, and we do hear about what happened at the end. I'd like to know, how did you get the end report on this thing? Did he come all the way back to Jesus and tell them? Did he come back and tell the disciples so the disciples could write it down? I don't know. This is John's gospel. Who's John? He's one of the disciples. He's one of the guys that was with Jesus. He's writing down what he saw. What does Matthew do? Matthew wrote down what he saw. Luke, apparently, not a disciple, but apparently a believer, seemed that he was there for a lot of these these things. 
and said that, you know, as we were eyewitnesses, he wrote down what he saw. Now, Mark, do you remember a disciple by the name of Mark? Mark's gospel is actually Peter's gospel. Mark wrote it down as Peter dictated it to him. It comes from Peter. That's what I'm told from the people who, uh, that's where Mark had the, the insight from. And I'll tell you what, Mark has some, he's the shortest of the gospels, but he has got some phenomenal insights on some of the stories. It comes from Peter. Peter was the, the guy who influenced most of that work. But this, this is John. This is John. John was there. I imagine this guy had to come back because John's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere. He's, he's with Jesus. So I imagine the guy would have had to come back. Somehow a report would have had to come back and they would have told him. They didn't tell him any of the other negative stuff. All they told him was, I turned around, I went home. As I'm going home, some people met me on the way. So apparently once he was healed, they left. And so they came down the same path he was going and they met along the, along the way. That was pretty nice of them. Remember before we had some people who, who left and brought a report? Remember that report? Why trouble the teacher any longer? <laughs> your child's dead. Dead. This one, your child's alive. Can you see how difficult it would be? And yet we've gone through the same things. But we give in to him. Here's a guy who didn't. He held up. So what should we do? We should learn from him. Learn from the nobleman. When Jesus speaks something to you, don't be tempted to go off and believe what other people are saying, what life is telling you, what other believers have been through, what is easier to expect. Don't believe these things. Go back to the Word of God. What does the Word of God say? Go your way. Your son lives. He didn't say, your son is still alive. Your son is barely hanging, or barely hanging on. Didn't say that. He said, go your way, your son lives. Jesus is not one to try and trick you. He says things very plainly. Right out. Now, let me fill all these things here. First of all, what did the father do? First, he traveled. Son got sick, traveled all the way up here to, to see Jesus. Second, he didn't give up. When he got that first thing from Jesus, he didn't just uh, turn around and go. He said, please come. Please come so my son will live. And then Jesus spoke that word to him. Go your way, your son lives. Then he returned based on Jesus' words. The words of Jesus. Based on nothing else. Just based on the word that Jesus spoke. No other sign, no other thing, nothing else happened. Just the words that Jesus spoke. The foundation for all of these actions was what he heard, right? Isn't that the foundation of it? But the one that made the difference is when he acted on Jesus' words to him. He acted on Jesus' words to him. The whole thing of being tempted to to believe. The enemy is trying to get you to not act on what the Word says. It's what He wants to try and do. It's all his, his goal is. If He can get you to stop acting on the Word, the Word will stop working in your life. He doesn't care what else, what else it is that you do. 
as long as you stop acting on the word. He's happy. But he will come after you relentlessly. This is why we tell you things like over and over. Do not pray for a good doctor's report. Don't do it. Don't do it. That's, that, that's setting yourself up to fail. Whether the doctor's report comes in good or bad, your faith is based on what? The Word of God. The words that Jesus said. That's what you act on. What did Jesus say? Does the doctor's report change what Jesus said? Does the economic report change what Jesus said? No. It doesn't change it, does it? It's still the, the same way. Does a machine in a laboratory reading something in your body change what Jesus said? Then why is it we put so much faith that we begin to believe the things we get from them? Now, I'm not telling you not to go to doctors. Not telling you not to have tests done. Things like that. But believe the Word of God. You, if you've got a pain and you want to get an x-ray of the thing, see what's going on. Go ahead and get an x-ray. That you're, having faith does not mean you can't do these things. But if it comes in and it produces a bad report, what should you do? Well, thank God that I'm healed, no matter what it is. And we begin to think on things in the Word of God where the man who had the deformed hand, withered hand, did he get healed? You think if he put that up to a machine, it would have had a bad report on that? Probably would have. You think the man who was lame, if he got put on a machine, the machine would have had a bad report? Probably. I, I don't know what it could have said. could have said, you've got a massive tumor on the base of your spine. But it doesn't matter. Because what happened? When Jesus said, rise up, take up your bed, and walk, what did the man do? Rose up, took up his bed, and walked. Let's count that out. Rise up, take up your bed, and walk. He got eight words. The other guy only got six. But he acted on them. What's important, folks, is not how many words you get. It's important is that you act on it. What does the Word say to you to do? No matter what the Word speaks to you to do, the world will speak to you something different. Here's a real easy way to, change, to, to find out if what you are hearing is from the, the world, unbelief, the realm of unbelief or what it is. The Word of God does not change. What, Jesus, what did Jesus say to the nobleman? The nobleman? Go your way, your son lives. That was written about 2,000 years ago. Has it changed? He still said the same thing, right? Has it changed what he said to the blind, uh, to the blind man? To the lame man? Has it changed what he said to the lepers? What did he say to the lepers? Go show yourselves to the priests. And on the way, they were made whole. The things that are written in the Word over 2,000 plus years have not changed. But you look at it this way. When you are believing God for healing, when you are believing God for something in the financial, and the doubts come in, are the doubts always the same? I mean, if he's trying to work in this way and it doesn't quite work, doesn't it change up and come in this way? 
And if that doesn't work, doesn't it change up and come in this way? But what's the word do? It stays the same. The more something changes, folks, the more you can tell it's not from God. What God says stands. But the enemy will continue trying to change what you hear. Because if this is not working, we're going to try something else. And then we'll try something else. And then we'll try something else. But the Word of God will still say the same thing. Just bring them back to the Word of God. I put this in your outline for you. Most Christians falter not in believing that Jesus is the healer, but in doing what the Word or the Spirit of God speaks to them. That's where we're letting the the ball fall. We're not doing what the Word of God spoke to us to do. Faith, not please, move God. Don't go to God with, oh, oh, please, God, please, please. Please won't do it. You can plea and plea and plea and plea. It's not going to help. He wants faith. Faith gets his attention. Go to the, the woman from Tyre. Pleading, pleading, begging, begging. Nothing. And she gets in a place of faith and she worships him. And what's Jesus do? He stops. You got my attention now. And then when he says, hey, the dogs don't get the bread from the master's table. And she said, yeah, but even the little dogs get the crumbs. And he stopped. He says, yeah, that's a person of faith right there. Yeah, yeah, we'll take care of this. Because God always answers faith. Always answers faith. Never has he let faith drop. So all we need to do is get ourselves in a place of faith to believe what he said. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is substance. Get your expectations set right. Once it is, don't let the enemy come along and begin to tempt you to believe, to expect something different. What is it that God wants for you? Once you find that out, then believe for it and stand for it. Don't listen to the enemy who keeps coming in and messing with your mind. Keeps coming in telling you, this isn't going to work. You're not going to get that. Don't listen to him. Keep standing. Keep holding on. When God says it, have faith in it. Act on it. Don't give in. Would you all stand stand up with me? Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Father, we thank you for the example of people in the Word of God like the nobleman who we saw, though he had different expectations when you spoke a word to him, he acted on it. And he did exactly what you said. And when he did, his son lived. So many others we see in the Word of God. When they acted and did what you said to do, it worked. Things changed. People's lives were saved. Bodies were healed. Father, we want to follow the same example. We want to learn your word. Any wrong doctrine that has crept in, we want you to expose it with the word. Your word is a light. And when it shines on the inside of us, it will expose darkness. And once we see it, we want to drop it just like that. We won't hang on to wrong doctrines because they aren't helping us. They are hurting us. But your light will come in and show us 
what wrong things we're believing. That we can get rid of those and move on. Father, we thank you for it. Give you the praise and the glory. You are our help. You love us. Desire good things for us. We give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We sing those songs about pushing back the darkness and all the victory that we have in, in Jesus. Don't forget, folks, despite all the defeats that might have gone on in the past, the victory is there. How long did the woman with the issue of blood have that? And in one moment, it was gone. One moment, it was gone. Where is your expectation? What is it based on? We have some praise reports. If you didn't get your praise report in, you got a few moments. Go ahead and write it down. I have a couple here from um, healing praise reports, actually. Phyllis said, before worship, she said, my knee was aching and uh, the dress shoes were very uncomfortable. But my God said, no pain. So I said, no pain. And there is no pain in Jesus' name. So <laughs> she's been healed of that. Amen. Um, and this one's real exciting. Jim had a tear in his rotator cuff. Um, the orthopedic surgeon said to try therapy, but surgery would probably be required. When I started therapy, the range of motion in his left arm was almost about 35%. So that's not very much. After three therapy sessions, I have about 95% of my range of mm. motion, and surgery is not needed. Hallelujah. And there's no pain. <laughs> um Chelsea says, I survived my first week of school. Yay! <laughs> she said um, it was a little chaotic, but God made a way, sent helpers to her, and everything got done on time. Praise the Lord. And this one has been a long time coming. Alexis got her license. Woo! So now I'm assuming that a car is... Yahoo! Praise God. Congratulations. That's awesome. Um, and I just... Allie, are you ready with anything from yesterday? Or not yet? Totals and prizes and stuff? Or not not yet? Okay. We'll be doing that next week then. But I want to say thank you to everybody for mm-hmm. yesterday. Um, everybody who helped, either preparing ahead of time or was here to help, help uh, you know, serve in the parking lot and everything, we had a good time. Despite the little bit of rain, we didn't have a whole lot of rain, but a little bit of rain, um, it was, I think it was an altogether a good turnout. You know, it was the first one we've done in a long while. Um, I still am amazed that people do not know we're here. They walk by. They live right here, and they still don't know we're here. That just amazes me. Talk about having blinders, but, you know, thank you all for all of your help. It was a great time. We had a lot of fun, and um, we did have a lot of good conversations with some some of the people from here and across the way there. Um, I was asking people, how did you hear about it? Did you see the signs? So, you know, do you live in the neighborhood? And some of them said they saw the signs, and some said that they got that little pam- paper that I threw at the mailboxes. So, you know, praise God, little things, you know, brought people out. So thank you all so much for your help. Look forward to the next one. Yeah, you all did a wonderful job. We really want to thank you. I wanted to say this for the end just to say how much we appreciated all you folks. Come on out and put your time in. We did have a lot of folks who did not know church was here. And now that they, they know that, I had a number of conversations with people about that. Um, I know Mike was ministering to some folks in Spanish that uh, came on over and, and got to do that. Chelsea, did you get to it as well? I, okay, I thought I heard something that, that she may have as, as well. But there was a number one who only came and they spoke Spanish, and he was able to chat with them and, and, uh, and get that going real good. But all of you just did such a, a wonderful job of uh, 
serving people and just helping folks and just all the time you put in. I really appreciate all the all the time that you did with that. My daughter put in a whole mess of time and before just getting all the vendors and all the people preparing for that. My wife was out doing a whole lot of uh, throwing of the, the leaflets and, and things of, of, of that nature. And Nikolai was over there helping quite a bit with, uh, with listening to the thing. I don't even know all the things that he was that he was doing. It was uh, they were they were out there, but they, the two of them were working on just just a lot. And then a bunch of you folks came in on Friday. Some of you came on Friday and Saturday, and really appreciate all the all the help they did for that. So we won't know all the people that we affected, but we sure want to see some of the people come on in here. And when they do, we'll be here to work to welcome them on in. So thanks so much for that. We have um, a Wednesday night service that goes on.